Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and our own Rocket T-shirts, which are coming yeah. back. So stay tuned for how to get those because I'm excited to tell you about it. So excited! Um, I, I've been I've been ordered to do the best ad read in the world for the Rocket T-shirts, and well, I, let's, it's let's a lot specific, of pressure. Simone, let's be specific. I told you to give the listeners. The full Rochefort. <laughs> I don't that's think that's legal in this state. Okay. I mean, look, it might be someday. <laughs> well, maybe by the time... May, okay, we have to... Uh, there's a lot of steps here. We got to get this law in front of Congress. We I, have when to... When I am in Congress, con- I will legalize the full <laughs> I Rochefort. Was say, I was going to I will say, make that happen. I track, maybe. I mean, <laughs> shouldn't say Whoa. that. Whoa. <laughs> Let's I take not that suggest. Back. I take that back. <laughs> I no, I don't. I take that really, back because yeah. obviously, yeah. obviously, when when Brianna Wu, candidate for Congress, um, is, is elected, she will never put anything forward that is simply like uh, the, you know Christina and, and Simone's <laughs> um, uh, thoughts because we're not even her constituents. We're, no, we actually, even I'll be not, calling you great. up. I'll be like, do you want me to name this week Christina Warren Week in Congress? Because <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> I will totally oh, do that. Watch me funnel um, yeah. all the t-shirt money, the millions of dollars <laughs> from the t-shirt money into a fund for the Brianna Wu Super Pact. Let, <laughs> yeah. Let's be very clear, just yes. just so no one is confused. It's um, a joke. None, none of the t-shirt money will ever go to the Brianna Wu pack. And also, they're not millions of dollars because if there were, then we wouldn't be doing this podcast. We'd be uh, doing this much better. Wow. Uh, br- bold statement, Christina Warren. I'm, I would I'm, probably still do this podcast. I mean, I even, would probably too. Yeah, I would just yeah. want to. I would just. The medium might be slightly different. I'm I would be doing like a TV it from my yeah. castle, my right. Chateau. This right. is all I'm. This right. is all I'm saying. I, I would still obviously talk to you guys. I would love this podcast. <laughs> so, so the podcast would still exist. It would just be in a different form. Okay. On the other hand, I would not camera. speak to either of you again. I would only choose to speak to my subjects. <laughs> as oh, it were. okay. Well, then that's a problem because yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the podcast will still I, exist. I it would just be my property as feudal lord. So speaking I mean, of horrible leaders, <laughs> <laughs> today this is gonna be the best show. Should, should we introduce you first because oh. we didn't introduce ourselves? Oh yeah! Wow, I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer from Polygon.com. <laughs> I'm joined by Christina Warren, senior writer at Gizmodo, and Brianna Wu, Democratic representative for Congress. Woohoo! That's it. And our future feudal lord. And fe- that's I, it. Yeah, Brianna, future feudal lord of the Americas. I am future feudal lord <laughs> of, I guess, France, since I'm being yes. driven out by um, the Wooists. I'm going to call and, them. And I'm future feudal lord of nothing. I, I'm I just, will adopt I'm just you. You can come You'll to France me? with me. It's whatever. Fantastic. Oh. Okay. Good. 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 Oh. So uh, this week, um, in Congress bad feudal passed- systems. What oh, God. In bad feudal systems. Bad feudal systems. Congress passed a joint resolution to roll back Wheeler's oh, privacy laws, which at this point essentially just means that there is a crack in the wall of um, individual internet privacy and that theoretically carriers could in the future sell your personal data for marketing. Uh, that yep. starts the data that carriers have for, right off the bat is your name and address and credit well, card. Well, carriers and ISPs. Carriers and ISPs, yes. And this information it starts with name, address, and credit card extends to browser history as well. Um, and so far, I mean, th- this is not the like immediate doomsday scenario because there is still Title II, which I believe prevents this from happening. But it is for an now. ultimate weakening sort of of the rules that the FCC has in place to prevent. Well, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, go on, go on. 
the, yeah, the rules that the FCC has in place to prevent individual users versus companies who want to use users' information or who could use users' information to sell advertising. Right. Uh, one thing to point out when you mentioned Title II is that the FCC has a new chairman and almost a, an entire you know new um, uh, board, and and so those Title II provisions that were agreed upon a couple of years ago with net neutrality and whatnot could very easily also be overturned. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just because Ooh. this right this in and of itself isn't overturned isn't you know addressing Title II doesn't mean that Title II's existence is in any way guaranteed. Basically, Um, think of this as the sitting Congress at the moment has established that to them, your personal privacy is not as important as... Commercial gain. Commercial gain. The positive side, the way that this is being spun is breaking up the duopoly that Google and Facebook have on internet advertising. Right, uh, right. Which, uh, please, which is so terrible. Please, Agreed. Please. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's like, like, look, it, 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 is there a duopoly or a triopoly if you want to include Yahoo in it um, or, or even AOL or whatever? I guess they're the same company now. Um, yes. You know, do... do a couple of major companies own all internet advertising. Yes. Is the solution to that to then say, well, we're going to take private information um, of our users and sell that to other advertisers. Oh, somebody explain how that makes sense to me. Somebody help tell me no. how that makes, um, you know, the, 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 well, the Google, Facebook, duopoly better. Because these people have donated a shockingly low amount of money to these Congress people mm-hmm. that then serve as their you know, mouthpiece. And this isn't the, the first time we've seen these terrible, terrible leaders do this stuff. You know, Martha uh, Rayburn, this is one of the people, if I serve on the text, com- uh, you know, subcommittee, I will fight her every freaking day because she's just a robot of the people that give her money and she knows nothing. It is shocking how little she knows when you actually study what she says. So, I mean, this isn't complicated. Like these are politicians that are bought and paid for and they are you know, trading your privacy for a shockingly small amount. It's just, it's outrageous because like I can yeah. choose to go on Facebook or choose to not use Google products. I can't not choose to connect to the internet. Yeah, well, that's it's exactly just, it. Oh, it's that's exactly it. And, and not only that, but you know, uh, depending on you know Facebook and Google's cookie properties and, and what browser you're using and other settings, some of those information will obviously be tracked by third parties, even if you're not on a Google or a Facebook site. If you're they're using those ad networks, some information might be there, but certainly not all of your browsing history. Like that's to me the thing that kind of becomes not only just like a like like a uh, you know kind of a creepy factor, but I think for a lot of people, kind of an intrinsic thing, we kind of we know that our ISPs have the right and and to see every every website we visit. But it's very different to then say they are taking every website we visit and they are now selling that to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're claiming that it'll be anonymized. Um, you know, and 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 that may or may not be true, uh, d- depending on what they're doing. But but it's it's gross, and 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 I think it's 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 something that people have the right to be really concerned about. And the fact that um, on both sides of the aisle, not just the the Republicans, but the mm-hmm. Democrats agree to this too that, that this is this is passed is absolutely ridiculous. And 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 what's sad is that you know in in past cases when we've seen stuff like this happen or potential things like this happen, we saw the fights with, with SOPA, PIPA, and and some other stuff. You know there was obviously a lot of outrage. There was some discussion before this bill looked like it was going to pass, and there was some kind of there were there were write ups, but there wasn't that sort of outcry. And and I wonder. You guys' perspective, if it's because many of the people who will potentially benefit from this, who are obviously other websites and people who deal with advertising, um, 
you know, some of the same groups that spoke against those other sorts of services are beneficiaries of this. And that's one of the reasons why maybe they didn't speak out. Do you have any thoughts? I don't know about that. But the the first thing that when when this really like was coming to a head this week uh, and people were saying, oh, it's like the last day that you can call your congressperson and ask them to vote against this. My initial reaction was, oh, we just had that big push for stopping the healthcare vote last week. And a lot of people got involved in that. There were a lot of phone right. calls. I mean, I personally made phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. I, too. I think that there was burnout from mm. everyone mm-hmm. from that, the coverage of that, and then also sure. people getting involved in that. And so this comes up. Um, and obviously, you know, it's not, not on the radar if you're paying attention to this stuff. But in a very general mainstream sense, it's like we just did this last week. I did my thing. I don't right. need to call this week. And I, I, I suspect that that is kind of the, the what happened um, on a wider scale. I, I think there is outrage, exhaustion under mm-hmm. the Trump administration. And I just, I want to say we're not a political podcast. We have, we're sorry it is to you this week. I don't want to spend all my time ranting about Trump. But, you know, it's like every single day there's a new horror show that you just can't believe. Like it's, you know, the Secretary of State like being reckless and possibly causing a nuclear war with uh, North Korea. Yeah. Then it's followed up by like, you know, uh, climate change choices that are going to, you know, rapidly make the planet more uninhabitable, you know, to the Republicans, like, assaulting our our technological privacy. Like, this is my job, running for Congress, and there's just a a limit to how much even I can can be angry about this stuff, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. at a certain point, your muscles just give up. And I think that's it, Uh, you know, Christine. I think, like, so much of our... Just so much of what's decent in America is under assault every day that there's just a limit, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's probably true. We definitely, there is a sense of both from, especially on part of the individual standpoint of burnout. You know, there's only so much outrage you can feel. And and as you were saying, Simone, you make the call to your congressman, you know, men or women uh, about something um, one week you feel like you've done your part. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to go for it again. And and obviously, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think a lot of people would agree, you know, if I had to choose between one, you know, if I'm going to be upset about like my, you know, my, my, my healthcare status or, um, you know, potentially having anonymized data sold for me, obviously healthcare, at least to me, is going to, going to trump it, but it, uh, sh- yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, but, but it shouldn't be an either or. Exactly. And, yeah. You know, and, and I think that's kind of the problem that we're kind of at. I think what's also interesting, and I had, I wasn't aware of this even being a possibility until last week. And, and I wonder, you know, what is the responsibility on, you know, kind of the reporting on this? How long had this been built, you know, kind of been in, um, a committee, you know, what, what, how long had it looked like it was going to happen? Why, why it felt like it, it crept up very last minute. And maybe that's how it happened. I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I haven't done my research and I apologize for that, but, but it feels like it, it you know, we all kind of became aware of it very last minute. I will um, agree with that. And I, I definitely also had that sense of it creeping up, but I also am not great at following the news. So I don't know how much my personal feeling yeah. of it creeping up. I, like, I, I have no idea what the, 
the standard is that I should be holding myself to here in terms of keeping an eye on every single gosh darn thing that's going to it, it definitely felt like it was it definitely felt like it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk, I mean, and we'll get into other aspects of this, but I want to talk about, you know, we're the listeners on Rocket are very technologically sophisticated. And, you know, my first question when this happened is, how can I um, protect myself? You know, right. not the least because I don't want Max Tomkin, if I win, to uh, be out there selling my browsing history online. I don't want anyone to know how often I look at boobs on the internet. Like, that would be <laughs> same, disastrous. Same. Uh, would, right. I mean, yeah. it, it, the answer is a lot, but yeah. like, you don't need to know the specific I, amounts. I, like, I, I, don't, I don't need you to see. Yeah, right. Uh, so, like, we started looking at VPN. I thought Ars Technica had a fascinating article mm-hmm. about how you really can't trust. No. any VPN right now. You can't trust Tor. Um, mm. And that's not to say these products are useless or bad. No, but no. there's there's no way to 100% verify that, you know, your your privacy is being kept in the case of Tor because you're locked. Uh, just in case listeners don't know, Tor is like a, it's a, it's kind of a tool for anonymizing things, uh, but you're locked into this older version of Firefox. So even mm-hmm. um, that has security vulnerabilities. You're vulnerable to uh, man-in-the-middle attacks with a lot of this. So the, the thing that's so frustrating is because Congress has taken this step. There is no way whatsoever that I can keep the fact that I do occasionally go to superficial.com. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to get site. out there to the public, and I don't like that. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't like the fact, you know, too, when you think about it, like there are laws in place. It, 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 it's interesting. They claim they're anonymizing this stuff. Okay, well, then why are they gathering your IP address? Why are they gathering some of these, this other information? Obviously, the goal is that they want to be able to track information about where you sites you visit so they can better advertise to you. That ignores the reality that people on the same IP address, you have multiple users on the same IP address, you know, whether it's the same household or the same office complex or or whatever the case may be. And, you know, there there have been privacy laws in the past, you know, there's the, the Bork laws, um, you know, that, that prevented um, places if you like rented videos from Blockbuster from releasing that information to the public. Mm. And, and, and Netflix was actually impacted by that. And in fact, they were not able to use some of that information without special provisions they had to get over they had to get special permission from congress so that they could connect your own recommendations so that you could if you wanted to share what movies you watched on Netflix on Facebook because without that it would have violated bork rules and 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 um you know things related to your privacy so like we've if we've had things in place before that would protect what videos you've rented in the past from becoming anonymized or even public or tied to you, then I don't understand why what websites I visit, which are way more personal to me than than Mm -hmm. my video rental records, why that can be sold, quote unquote, anonymized to someone else, why that can be allowed, you know? And because obviously the goal is they want to know more about you and they want to be able to send you more targeted advertising. And like, you don't need to know what sort of porn I like, or if it's, even if it's not porn, if you like to know that I sometimes, that that I like to read, you know, uh, fan fiction about this or that. So right? I let's like to visit- back it up. You don't even you don't need to know that I looked up a recipe for lemon bars the other Absolutely. day. Absolutely, you don't need to know that you don't need to know that I'm trying to lose weight or that I want sugar. You, you don't need to know yeah. that information. Like if we're we're gonna protect what movies be rent, you know, from from like a public place, then like why is the most things like you, you type in am I depressed? Like why is should that sort of information mm-hmm. potentially be advertising targetable? I just it's just it's shocking to me that. This is e- yeah. We use the internet to shocking. figure out, you know, the most some of the most personal things 
in our lives, like to, to ask questions that we might be afraid to ask people in our lives or to just do any kind of mundane, mundane thing that we don't even think about. Right. Like today I was um, a friend of mine what put their house plan into this bot to kind of like make a, li- a 3D layout and put furniture in it. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I want to do that. But also now I'm thinking very hard about how I don't want the layout of my apartment to be available online. I don't want right. to feed that information into any kind of bot. Um, there was This happened again another day. But yeah, that was the first example that I thought of. Something that really disturbs me is, you know, to me, the, the, the intent for them to aggregate this information, I can at least understand that. The problem sure. that we've seen repeatedly, it's not so much that the data can't be collected with reasonable intent. The problem is storing it mm-hmm. because, you know, people do not invest enough in cybersecurity. And, right. um, you know, like the the people I use for campaign donations right now, one of the two, NNGG, um, uh, oh, I forget the name of it. It's uh, it's basically, it's one of these sites that was hacked in the last election. And all this information got out there to the public, uh, you know, because they didn't keep it, you know, like uh, scrambling all the data and doing like uh, security through obesity where you salt and hash everything right. and then pump up so much of the data. So it's just impossible to go through and crack it. Yeah, the problem is if ISPs are gathering this information, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there are going to be leaks where my IP address will somehow get out there. And the fact that I, you know, and, and the fact is women deal with this so much all the time. I don't know how you guys feel. It is so hard for me to present a genuine version of myself to the public, but always have that voice in the back of my mind, like, Who's going to make fun of me for mm-hmm. this? Is this going to end up in a website? It's exhausting. And then Without to have my internet added to that, it's mm-hmm. just, it's it's unconscionable. Well, yeah. no, you're right. I mean, the thing is, is they, they claim it'll be, like like you were saying, they're claiming it'll be anonymized. Maybe they can do that. But can we trust their own security? Because we've seen, I mean, look, if I'm if I'm being honest, one of the things they're saying they're trying to, you know, stop the duopoly of Facebook and and Google. <laughs> I will say this. I trust Google and Facebook to protect my security um a lot more oh, yeah. than I trust my ISP Verizon? Or, or, or Verizon or another ISP. You know, I trust I trust them a lot more because they ultimately have to answer to consumers and they have other sorts of things at play. I mean, we we've seen what's happened with Google in the last uh week. This is unrelated, but you know, where brands have seen their videos programmatically uh, displayed on YouTube videos that they find offensive. And and they've, they've, they've kind of gone crazy about that. And they've said, well, we don't want this to be there. And Google is actually responding and is looking to see if they can change their algorithms and, and mm-hmm. determine, you know, so that the brand's content doesn't uh, appear next to stuff that they, they wouldn't want to, which is a fundamental change in Google's entire process. Google will will and Facebook too will ultimately listen to you know the customer whether it's us or or someone else, um and and I think I, I trust them more to at least I don't trust them completely to be to keep me safe but I trust them to at least use best practices I don't necessarily with an ISP especially you know maybe if you're in a major ISP maybe if you're a Comcast or or a Verizon or or an AT and T or whatever maybe you can trust that they might have the resources and the infrastructure to do a better job but if you're talking about like a a local ISP that now has the right to sell your data and you're in a smaller town in, you know, but Montana, you know, like 
can you trust them to really be following the right protocols? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think you can. And what does that mean? Like, just because we're in New York and Boston on this podcast shouldn't mean that we are provided any special protections over anybody else. And even you know? those and, larger ISPs, I mean, absolutely. look at Comcast. They'll absolutely. do anything to gouge you for money. And that, to me, marks them as untrustworthy. And dealing with customer service in those companies is notoriously awful no offense to anyone who works there i know that they have you know rules in place that make it difficult for customers to be happy in those conversations uh and it's not anyone's fault but yeah like i i don't they've proven over and over that they want a stranglehold on their customers they don't want them to be able to go anywhere else for this service they want well, to control time, it completely well, many times you can't well because the thing is is that it's not a free market right mm-hmm. they're talking about they want a free market for advertisers Right, they they want to open up a duopoly. Yeah, but ISPs themselves are not a free market no. because where you live determines who your ISP is. So I can get Cablevision. That is that is my choice. Um, that is who I have now. I like them very much, but that is my choice. If I lived uh, a block away, I might be able to get FiOS. If I lived in another neighborhood, I might be you know stuck with with Time Warner. Like it completely depends where you live. And in some some markets, you might be lucky enough to have a choice between two. Most people don't even have that choice. So it's a weird thing where they're saying, well, we want to break up this duopoly of advertising in a market <laughs> where the consumer doesn't even have a choice between what ISP they can use. But but Simone, you you went on a, a Twitter rant. Oh yes, uh, I today, did. <laughs> um, about about because while we're talking about all this stuff, in addition to people talking about using VPNs and Tor and, and as you were saying, Brie, some of those things are useful, some of them aren't. Um, but there's also been this kind of disturbing trend about people trying to raise money. Uh, Simone, uh, uh, to to try to to do other stuff. Tell tell us yes. what you're ranting about. So I this first came to my attention uh, through terrible reporting from Raw Story via the Daily Cost that um, people are setting up GoFundMe pages, and I believe others as well, ostensibly to get money, crowdfunding money, so that when it becomes possible to purchase a per- an individual, a citizen's internet history we can then buy the internet history of the hypocritical congress people and publish it online blah all the embarrassing things blah visible for the world to see this is a terrible idea because as you know from hearing us talk about it just now that it is not physically possible you can't go to buy internethistory.com and right. buy your congressperson's internet history it is literally no. not legal or possible at this moment to do that. So and basically, it probably never will be. It would be pro- anonymized in some way. It would be aggregated with a bunch of other people's data. It would you would never be able to get a specific person's information. Exactly. So basically, and this GoFundMe that I'm looking at right now has raised one hundred twenty six thousand nine hundred twenty dollars in four days for this purpose of buying private internet histories of government officials, not a thing that's possible, to publish online. This makes me so irrational. No, rationally. I'll say rationally. It makes me very, very angry (laughs) because via GoFundMe's rules, that money can be withdrawn at any time. I'm not saying that this particular person is going to steal $100,000 and run off with it, but this shows like a complete... It's a fundamental literacy problem here where people are maybe having good intentions, but not knowing a gosh darn thing about what they are actually doing because this goal is not possible. This is a completely empty, pointless promise. And 8,000 people 
have given over a hundred thousand dollars to this oh. cause, and this is only one of these one of these fundraising campaigns. There are this- multiple. <sighs> and it makes me so angry. And the reporting from the Daily Cost and from Raw Story, the li- the literal story was, oh, hey, this fundraising campaign is set up. This person is raising money for this. Absolutely no investigative reporting into the situation, like what the laws are now, what this, how this money could possibly be used. Because surprise, it can't be used for the purpose that it is being raised for. And it, it makes me very, very angry. So I went on a, a slight Twitter rant about it. And I'm ranting about it again now. And no, I'm really love angry. It. I love it. I love, love angry love, love you to rant. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, Simone, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, but Yep, most tech reporting is terrible. Oh my god! Don't tell anyone. You don't mean it. Oh no! Oh no! You've got to read Christina Warren's stuff. She's okay. I'm okay. But but anyone else, like (laughs) Raw Story, may not have the best tech reporting. Huffington Post may not always have the best tech reporting. Very true. But I'm disappointed in Daily Coast. Honestly, I'm. I'm too. I'm disappointed in Daily Coast. I'm disappointed in people passing that stuff along because I, I get it. I understand that when we see this stuff happening, people immediately want to say, okay, well, how can we make this better? This is now going to be a law. This is going to be a reality. What can we do to make things better? So first you, you're you talking about, okay, well, can I use Tor or can I use you know VPN? Well, what if we you know try to prove to Congress just how bad this idea is by buying their data? I mean, honestly, at this point, our best option is probably to try to lobby the ISPs themselves and have them commit to not using the data and not buying it this way. I don't know if that will work, but obviously the 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 ship has sailed from political things at least for now and, and until we can get this sort of thing overturned in, in 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 a future, you know, session or whatnot. I think the best bet is for people to start putting the feet to the fire of their ISPs and saying, "Will you commit that you will not buy this information? You will not sell this information?" Will you commit to 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 ensuring your customers' privacy? I don't know if that will work, and I, I, I'm not. I don't agree with you, Christina, because okay. I think what they'll do is the profit motive is always going to win out there. And I mean, that's I agree why, with you. I don't so disagree with that, but I, I'm just saying. I really it, think the only long term solution here, and I'm sorry if this is self serving, sure. is we have got to get tech people in Congress writing this policy. People that are are actually informed on this stuff, people that are feel passionately about privacy, and something you're going to see on Relay very soon um, is you know I've been talking to Stephen and Mike. Uh, we're going to have a series of um, hopefully ads coming out soon. They're encouraging other people to do exactly what I'm doing all across this country. They're only by my estimation, we need between eight and six people to run for office to capture the technology subcommittee and the way the subcommittee works. Like I could get into an hour long discussion on this show, but it's a really good frontline defense for like making this policy better. And that it's the only long-term solution I can see because, you know, until campaign finance laws are changed, you know, Congress is going to continue to be bought and paid for. And it's just going to be this unholy alliance where our privacy is up for sale. And, you know, frankly, it's also a a national security issue. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've been talking to people. I did a, I was talking to somebody that worked at Wired 
talking about the way that uh, you know, cybersecurity and encryption is not even a consideration in real ways for the way that uh, the government operates, uh, like with doing bids and contracts. Like, there's a very limited process to even keep data safe. So the only way I can see forward is to get people other than baby boomers in Congress that sure. that understand this stuff. And what's so beautiful about this is this isn't a left or right issue. I know so many Republican engineers are just as pissed about this stuff as we are. This is informed versus ignorant. And, you know, we just need to get new people in there that are informed. And I agree with both of you because I think Christina's solution is a great short-term solution and your solution is a fantastic, like you said, the long-term solution. So put pressure on your ISPs today. Get out and vote tomorrow. Yep. Love it. Did you want to add something, Christina? No, I think that you summed it up perfectly. Cool. Because this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. I almost said this episode of Squarespace. It could be an episode of Squarespace. It I'll could do be an episode a Squarespace themed episode. I mean, I guess that's what this is. Hey, listen, Squarespace. You like it? You want it? Enter offer code Rocket at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace is the service that lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You can get a unique domain there. You can pick- No, 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 no. What did you say, Simone? Next domain? No. Domain? No. Domaino name. Domaino name. Domain banana. Name. Domain. Yes. Domaino name. Yes. Is that what we have to call it now? We do. Like a rocket <laughs> listener bought that that website domain just to make fun of you. So that's what it's gotta be called. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, we're on a good. You're getting the full roche for now. That was the full <laughs> roche for in your ears right there. With Squarespace, you can buy a unique domain name <laughs> <laughs> and choose from browse the reward winning templates and pick the one that suits your purpose, the one that calls out to your soul, whichever one that is. And you can use that template to create. Whatever you want. Do you want an online store? You can have that. Do you want a portfolio to show off your domain names or to show off uh, <laughs> your beautiful artwork to show off pictures of your dog? That's a great use for a website. It'll get a lot of buzz. Squarespace, Squarespace can make a portfolio for you. You can make a blog. You can blog about your dog. There's a reason that rhymes. It's because dogs are for blogs and blogs are for dogs. So Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of those things with nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed, and no need to concern yourself with coding if that is not what you want. I want to paint a picture for you guys right now and just the the beautiful physicality of this ad read. I'm lying in bed. My left arm is waved raised above my head and it's making a snake-like gesture as I say, don't worry about any of that stuff. It's real. It's unfortunate. I have no control anymore. Squarespace does have control because they have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you get stuck along the way. So you are you don't have to sit there waving your arm above your head like a snake. You can reach out to Squarespace in whichever way suits you and say, hey, I'm confused. And they'll say, well, let's help you use our service efficiently. And that's how a customer service call should go, my friends. Uh, they also let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Like I said earlier, domain name. 
This is what they're called now. That's the official uh, word of God that I have received from Twitter. Uh, And all of these award-winning templates are beautiful and minimalist. Uh, I love looking through them and swearing, then looking down at my tattoo that says, stop messing with your website. (laughs) Subtitle, even though it's fun. And I look at that and I remind myself, I'm like the guy in Memento. I'm like, stop. Ah yes. Where where is this tattooed, Simone? Is it on your 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 hand? Is it on your arm? It is on my right forearm. Okay, so that's, that's prominent. Yeah, and then also on the on the back of my hands is like I'm I'm reaching to <laughs> to like for the mouse pad to pick the the new template. I'm like, oh, don't believe her lies. <laughs> Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, and you can start a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. You can build your entire website, see how it looks, get a feel for it, and then decide if you want to keep it. Adopt that baby into your family. When you decide to sign up, that that is when y'all are going to want to use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. Show your support for ROCKET. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support. I'm making this arm gesture the official dance move of Squarespace fans. Yeah. Wow. I feel um, like I'm the who's the gal that, that does the progressive ads? Flo? Is that her Am name? Am I the yeah. Flo of that? Squarespace? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think mm, I think you're better than Flo, although Flo yeah. is like a god. Like I feel she like kind we're both of invented the genre. Confused. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, I would just say you're different from Flo. Like, Flo is great. I don't want to diminish, diminish Flo because I think Flo, like, really set advertising. Like, she really, like, made a mark there. You know what I would put you as? I would put you as Mayhem, the, uh, the, uh. <laughs> Thank uh, you. The, the, I R- the Ryan O'Reilly insurance yes, yes. god, Thank demigod. You. Thank you for saying Ryan O'Reilly because that means you watched Oz and that makes me love you even more because oh. most people would just say Dennis Duffy and like and, and not understand it. And you're going to actually say Ryan O'Reilly because you watch Oz, which agree with me is like one of the greatest TV shows of all time, right? Agree. Hard agree. Agree. Uh, hard agree. I, me. I think you're more the Old Spice dude that like oh, rides please, on a horse. Oh, don't flatter me. I'm I, on a horse. I think, I think that's more of who you are, Simone, because you've got that that presence. That's true. I yeah. met him. I met that guy once. Really? Is he as sexy in real life as he is on that he commercial? He was nice. It was weird. It was. It was. Yeah. It was in the green room at the Today Show, and uh, it, it 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 was like for half a second. But he seemed oh. nice. Okay. That's. So I will. Cool. I, I will say this. Kevin Costner was nicer. Oh my god. <laughs> Kevin well, Costner. That's like, because walked, he's Kevin Costner. Well, he so. like walked by and he like yeah. caught eye contact with me. He like nodded. He's like, "Hi, how are you?" I was like. Kevin Costner looked at me, um, and then my my day was made. Like you made I was it weird. Like, I mean, I did, but it was also one of those things where I was like, "Huh." Kevin Costner made eye contact with me, and now that's the best part of my day. Not me being on the Today Show. It's now just the fact that. that Kevin Cost that the Kevin Costner made eye contact with me. Your life is blessed. Uh, you know who else uh, is hoping for blessings? Samsung. That was a weak transition. I'm sorry, but you know, very good. Yeah, I give okay, it, yeah, yeah. It's a good solid beat. Passing, solid beat. not my best. I c- teacher. I did not phone it in. I just didn't have a lot of time. Samsung uh, had their big event today, so we have finally a lot of all the info, all the official info about the Galaxy S8. Woo, yeah, screams. Um, and because I was really angry about ISPs and spent more time reading about that than reading about the Galaxy S8, I know a couple cool things about it, but I don't know every cool thing about it. 
so I will probably turn this over to you, Christina Warren, to sure. do a little intro about it. Yeah. So, you know, this is a big phone for Samsung for a lot of reasons. Not only is it their flagship that they come up with like every March or April, um, you know, Samsung historically comes out with, with two lines of phones. They have the, the Galaxy S series that they come out with in, in the spring, and then they have in, in like the later summer, they have the Note series. And typically they share a lot of the same features. Uh, the, the Note has the stylus, uh, but, but they usually share, you know, similar processors and cameras and things like that. Um, and, and in most years, this wouldn't be that important of a phone, right? Like this would be a sort of phone where you're like, okay, you're following up, you know, competing against the iPhone 7 or in, in competing against, you know, the, the Google Pixel and maybe the LG G6 and some other stuff. Um, but this year, this is the very first phone that Samsung has released since the Galaxy Note 7. And as we all know, the Note 7 exploded. <laughs> and 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 it was recalled twice and uh was a global embarrassment and lost them lots and lots of money and and has been like a, a huge problem for Samsung. So this is the first phone that they've released since the Galaxy Note 7. And so a lot is riding on this phone not just in the general sense of, you know, this is kind of Samsung typically setting the pace for flagships, you know, and, and usually they release the phone in March, so it's actually coming out a little bit later. Um for you know the, the next nine nine or ten months, this is really Samsung's you know first attempt to kind of say, hey, we want to restart the conversation around our our brand and around our products. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things riding on this phone, um, above and beyond the specs and the which which are interesting in in, in the design, which is interesting. Yeah. Wow. I, well, well, I mean, okay, debatably interesting, but there, there are some interesting elements and, and some trends that are worth talking about. But I think the big thing most people are focusing on beyond the, the design and, and anything else is just the fact that this is, you know, how many exploding jokes can we make? How many fire jokes can we make? And and this is an important phone for them, I think, uh, to, to try to prove that consumers will still trust Samsung. So moving aside from whether people can trust the company or not, um, you know, this this is an interesting phone. Um in some ways. So the design, there are two models. There's the S8 and there's the S8 Plus. And yes, Samsung dared <laughs> introduce a phone called Plus. Uh, they're using the uh, a, a mark, you know, a Plus mark rather than, than writing it out like Apple does. But, you know, if anybody thought that, that, that Samsung Post Note 7 would be any less shameless about, you know, their inspiration from other places, uh, you've been mistaken. Uh, but the big thing with this, and this is a trend that we're expecting to see from a lot of other phone makers, including Apple, is that the bezel on the phone is almost completely gone. So, you know, historically, you have, you know, a lot of space at the top and the bottom of a phone and kind of maybe sometimes on the sides um, that means that the screen takes up less space. And so in this case, the phone is almost entirely screen uh, to the point that Samsung, who had been one of the few Android makers who had a dedicated home button, which, you know, uh, uh, also doubled as a fingerprint sensor, kind of like the iPhone, they've moved to a completely, you know, software button based, just like uh, most other Android phones. And, and they've moved the fingerprint sensor to the back of the, uh, of the phone. Um, and they've really kind of gone out of their way to make this a phone that um, is almost looks like silhouette-wise ext- entirely screen. Yeah, um, but they didn't we, like compensate with the battery, like for understandable reasons. Well, so okay, now, but, but, yes. now the whole phone is basically a giant screen, but it's got like a three hundred. Uh, I'm sorry, three thousand milliamp battery in the standard and thirty five hundred yeah. in the plus, which is not the best. And oh, um, okay, well, not yeah. the best, but but let's be very fair. That's better than Apple. Um, sure, sure, and, and, sure, and that's sure. better than a lot of other people. I mean, look, is it as much as people want? I mean, look, Samsung is in a weird position here, right? Because in most right. cases, people, the thing people want the most, they want, they care about camera, they care about battery life. 
Uh, sure. People definitely care about battery life. Samsung's in a really bad position where, you know, the battery uh, capacity on this phone is actually less than the one last year because, right. you know, even though the S7 didn't blow up, the S7 Edge didn't have, have problems with battery, they have to be like 10 times more aware of right. any battery issues. Good. No, that's fair, <laughs> but it's also the screen is bigger, you know, which yeah. is a, a sheet of, you know, uh, electrically excited plastic, and that's going to sure. take a lot of, uh, you know, battery power, of course. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we'll know what it's like because the the secret is all in the sauce and how much, you know, hardware decoding they do. And, you know, there are ways around this, but it's, it's certainly a... Um, it's a concern. And, you know, the, the other problem is the, the screen, which, you know, is gorgeous. Um, oh, yeah, though I, I am, I am still to this point, not sold on the benefit of having pixels on the curve of the screen, but right, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that works. But, uh, you know, they had to move the fingerprint sensor to a really awkward uh, place on the back. Is it more yeah. awkward than other phones where the fingerprint sensors on the back? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's it up by the light and like the Nexus, I actually really like where it is on the Nexus because you just tap the back and it's there and it's it's not as great as the iPhone, but it's an acceptable compromise. It, it, exactly. Yeah. A, a lot of them, the, the Nexus, you know, the, the, the Pixel, some other ones are kind of more in the middle. Um, you know, some of the LG mm-hmm. phones. This one is really close to where the camera is. And, and that's partially because it's now kind of a, a thinner phone, a, a less wide phone. It's a little taller than the iPhone, but a little bit um, narrower. And because, you know, they don't have that fingerprint sensor on the front, now it's on the back. And, and you would have thought, I mean... I, I need to actually get my hands on it to play with it. I haven't, so I, I can't comment fully on that. But it, but it, it looks like certainly, you know, this is going to be the sort of thing that you're going to be, you know, touching your camera lens a lot when you're just intending to unlock your phone. That's, uh, yeah, I, I can totally see that. Although I guess I'm looking at the picture of a person holding it right now. And if you're holding it in portrait mode, I, I it seems like the, the sensor is in a place where you wouldn't accidentally... But that wouldn't freaking matter because it's already unlocked when you're holding it in portrait mode. Right. So I'm I'm having I'm having thoughts. The thing I actually quite liked that surprised me about this was the removal of the physical home button and putting the home button underneath the screen. Like keeping the home button where it is, but it, it just exists as a non-physical button underneath the screen. Uh, I think that's actually a really cool idea. And I love it as a compromise because I personally just really quite enjoy having that button but this is the first thing that i've seen that makes me go oh actually i I do see a way forward without that it it existing in the bezel right yeah and i mean i think it'll be it'll all come down to kind of implementation i guess the 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 question becomes you know and and we'll have to see what apple is going to do with with the iphone you know 8 or or iphone edition or whatever you know 10th anniversary edition or whatever the name is going to be um would be you know is there a way or would there be a way in the future to build that fingerprint sensor into the screen itself? Mm-hmm. Right. Because be it, cool. it does, it, you know, that would be the perfect blend because I've, I've seen technology. I've seen, oh, I have I've, I seen have I've seen things that make me think that uh, it's possible. I and mean, it's obviously not as great as Apple's uh, fingerprint scanner, but I, I, I believe we can get there. I do. Yeah. Cause I think that would be like the perfect compromise. Cause I'm with you, Simone. Like I like the idea of if you could build it into the screen itself and, and make it, 
maybe, you know, haptic based. Don't make it like the Blackberry Storm, you know, which was like one mm-hmm. of the worst phones ever. Don't make it so you've got to actually press into the screen. Make it haptic based like like 3D touch or like, you know, the current iPhone home button where if you're pressing in on the screen, you know, you get feedback and then that's acting as the home button. Um, but also having that act as a fingerprint sensor, I think would be in a lot of ways, you know, better than what this compromise now, which is to have the soft buttons, you know, like most Android users are used to, but now you have this fingerprint sensor on the back. Um, I don't know. What, I want to know what you guys think. I'm going to be honest. Like, I think that the design looks really good. Like, I'm impressed with the design. But there's a lot of things with the phone, and I don't know if it's just because they have to be more cautious because of what's happened in the last six months. But I feel underwhelmed. Yeah. I, 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 that's how I feel, too. Go ahead, Simone. Sorry. No, that, that's pretty much. I mean, I do really like the thinner bezels, like I said. Yes. I think it looks great. Um. But I still feel like we are sort of at the phone event horizon, which I believe I've said before, in that I don't really know a way what the way forward is that will make them look really, really sexy. Like, this is a good-looking phone. I like how sort of narrow it is. Um, Too big for me, but, you know, whatever. But again, there's nothing that makes me look You'll at it and think this begs to be tight. I will not get used to it because I won't have it. Uh, there's nothing that makes me look at it and think, oh, yeah, I want to put my hands on that. I, I need to touch that. Um, I think that that's what they're going for with the bigger screen because we do have a, a screen fixation. Um, we like to look at screens. We like to touch screens. So I think that their decision you know, to just enlarge the screen surface overall is have to make people – to make the phone beg to be touched by people, um, which is a great in great in theory. I think that's a sound sort of goal there. But yeah, it's there's nothing revolutionary here for me. I I mean, but I mean, just to be fair here, I mean, mm-hmm. is the iPhone seven no really that revolutionary? No, stunning. No. I I like the new camera on a daily Same. basis. I like it a lot. Um, I like the faster processor because the the plus uh, it does tend to be a little bit slower. But you know, I think that really breakthrough phones. I don't think we've really had that for a while. Oh, um, I, I, yeah. I I I agree. But I think the difference though is, and, and we've talked about this before. You know, the iPhone Seven got a reprieve because the Note seven blew up yeah right <laughs> so it's one of those things where you're not wrong like the iphone 7 is not the most interesting device but literally it's its biggest competition which was a good phone like caught on fire like on airplanes and was recalled and was a disaster and so i guess i wonder you know when we look at this and, and then this is kind of muted too like so, so that takes away from that a little bit you can kind of like give them a a mulligan, so to speak, because it's like, okay, well, this is the flagship that doesn't blow up. Um, Apple will not get that again. So they 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 really do need to, you know, in, in, in six months deliver with the iPhone, whatever the iPhone edition or iPhone, you know, X or, or iPhone eight or whatever the whatever they want to call it, has to has to really deliver, I think, on 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 much more. But I do wonder though, like has Samsung done enough? Because they're in a, they're obviously in a very precarious position where they'd already had this phone in the works, I'm sure, and then had a lot of these things planned. Um, and, and then, you know, the Note 7 imploded. Um, and then it had to kind of change some things. But do you feel like this is enough? Because I'm not saying other phones are more interesting because I don't think they are. I agree with you kind of, Simone. We're kind of at this, like, peak smartphone place. Uh, but is this enough? Because I, 
I'm trying to get excited about this. And I think that a lot of the stuff looks really good. I think it's a good looking design. Like I'm not faulting the design, but I can't force myself to feel like excited. I, I think it's going to come down to the software integration with the hardware. Yeah. Android hardware is always great. I'd never, I, I, I've used a lot of Android phones. I don't think one has ever been shipped. They said the hardware quality of an iPhone, but it's really close. The Nexus is a really good phone. Um, you know, the problems with Android are all with the, the integration. So I think that is what this, this phone experience is really going to come down to. Did they sweat the details? Does, cause you know, as soon, especially with the Samsung phone with TouchWiz, like you start, you start using it and it is, it's getting better, but it's, uh, I, it's, that's what it's going to come down to. Right. Um, but as far as the hardware alone, uh, no, I don't think this is something that's going to make people run out and, and grab it. Uh, frankly, I think the fact that it has a headphone jack, just um, I think that will be as big a draw for a lot of people as the, uh, as the uh, giant screen is. I know a thing that's going to make people run out and grab it. And it's What's this that? keyboard case that I just linked in oh. Slack. So have it- Oh, God, are they still making this? Why? They are. They are. I, I've seen so many, I, I, okay, maybe not so many. I have seen multiple people talking about wanting physical keyboards on phones again. And yes, Samsung is still offering their, their keyboard case for for this. They've done this for two years. They did this with the, with the Galaxy S6. They did with the S7. Now it's the S8. Let me tell you about this keyboard thing, which we're going to link in our our show notes. I I don't see it. Where's the link to it? it, It's in this, it's in Skype. Yeah. Uh, oh, Skype. Ter- okay. It, it's, it's, sorry if I said uh, Slack. Yeah. Yeah. You did say yeah. Slack. Uh, it's terrible because you would think when you look at this that oh well this is like a Bluetooth device that you're connecting and then you're you know pressing down on the keys and they're transmitting the keys. No, what it is is it fits oh. over the capacitive uh, keyboard like on your phone and then when you press down on the button it's pressing down on the screen and ah. entering in a key. So it's it's, it's the worst possible experience. It is so bad. Like, look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you really want a keyboard that badly, BlackBerry has a new phone out. It's coming out. It's called the Key One TCL, or excuse me, BlackBerry Mobile. Comes out with it. Comes out next month. I I got to play with it last week. Um, I I eviscerated it pretty hard. I still wouldn't recommend it for the average person. But if you really want a keyboard phone that badly, that's coming out. Sure, um, but 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 if you really want a keyboard phone that badly, that that's for you. Don't buy this accessory. This this looks like this is Ryan Seacrest had a company um, that that had like a, a physical keyboard that you could add to an iPhone, and that then BlackBerry sued out of existence. Um, this is like an even worse version of that. This is just bad. But you're right, Simone. This is exactly what will get me everybody to buy an S8 Plus. Is this physical keyboard? You're dead on, Simone. This is exactly. I'm buying it. five this is what, right now. This is what I think. This, we should this just buy the Samsung keyboards needs. and just put them on things. But no, I think uh, you right. were making a point about the headphone jack before uh, I took us straight to hell. Yeah, no, I think you're. That, that's not a bad point, uh, uh, Bree. Um, I think having a flagship. There had been rumors that they would get rid of the headphone jack, and they've kept it. I don't know how many people are honestly going to make the decision one way or another, um, but I certainly think that people who might be on the edge, there's a certain class of customer. Again, I think it's probably a small number, if I'm being honest. Very small. Who would look at this and go, okay, well, I, I still want the headphone check. I, honestly, I think that that argument, as what, we, what we've learned, is, is that most people are, use the headphones that come with their, with their phone. Yep. 
Well, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Rocket. Who Rocket? Yeah! Rocket. Wear Woo! Rocket on your Rocket. Um, Rocket, make it weird t-shirts are back on teespring.com. Yes. Yes, folks. They had a limited run last year and they're having a limited run again. And they are available right freaking now until April 20th. So you have basically a, a month, a little less than a month. I don't know how math and yeah, a little less time than a month. works. So where can people go to get them? So is teespring.com. Um, I'm going to actually test this URL right now because um, it has a – yes. So teespring.com slash make it weird. Make it weird. All one word. Yes. All, you know, I, I'm going to talk to the Rocket fan that uh, bought Domaino name. I'm going to see if we can get Domaino name to point to our awesome t-shirts. Yeah, so, please yeah. do. Please do. Yeah, so, so, so we, we had these last year. Um, they were great. I'm actually going to order a couple more for myself because yeah. I love them. Um, yeah, please, please buy our shirts if you love the show. We, 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 when we uh, did our live show at WWDC last year, it was amazing to see you all in them. And, Aww. and we've seen uh, your, your, um, tweets on social media with them and, um, I don't know. It's awesome that we have shirts and that people are actually willing to mm-hmm. buy shirts. And of course, we can tell the story of when I met. Okay, a first of all, we have to establish again the rules that Brianna and Christina will buy you a drink if you absolutely find if we them see you in, in public person, wearing the shirt. Absolutely, absolutely. Without a doubt. Without um, and this a doubt. is the other thing. Like, if you are at WWDC this year and you see someone wearing a Rocket T-shirt, I want you to go like. I want you to look that person in the eye and high five them if they look comfortable or just give them a thumbs up. Like, I want to see peer rewards for people wearing the Rocket t-shirt. Please do that. (laughs) Yes. Physical non-monetary rewards. So right now it comes in like a heather gray, light gray, and purple. It's $23 whether you're getting the fitted size or the the non-fitted size. And yeah, it's awesome. I'm going to actually talk to Mike about getting the blue color back up. That's the one that I bought last time, and I love it. It's a great color. It's like a really vibrant blue. I would like to get that color. Yeah. I I have the purple, but I'd like to get that. I think it's the best color. I'm biased. But hey, now I can buy more colors. So yay. Um, And uh, yes, uh, my great story about the Rocket t-shirts was that I was hanging out at Barcade and my friend Ashley said my name in connection with Donkey Kong in a video that I had made. And the person next to me turned around and was like, Simone? And it was Rocket listener Henry T. Casey wearing his Rocket shirt. Henry! <laughs> Love <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. And it was like the most beautiful, weird coincidence ever. So if you want to be part of making my life weird as heck, you uh, should buy this t-shirt. Uh, it's great. I love it. And thanks, y'all. Okay, so it's domain-o-name.com. And that's where you will go to get uh, these t-shirts this year. So Amazing. That's yeah, already done. That's be, so good. That's so it's good. Gonna so, be, it's so, going to be great. Name, domainoname.com or teespring.com slash make it weird. Make it weird. Um, you can only get them until uh, April 20th. Uh, yep. so, so get them all you can. Rush. You know, this rush. is a rush because this is a once a year thing. We're so glad we're bringing these back. Thank you all, anybody who bought them before, and uh, we appreciate it. So yeah. we should also say, Christina and I are talking about possibly doing another another uh, live show at WWDC yeah. Yeah, 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 this year. Are. So we don't know if it can happen, we but don't know we're if it working can happen on yet, it. But we're working yeah. on it. You know, it would have to be in San Jose, I guess, um, since that's where the conference is going to be this year. So that makes it a little bit, you know, 
uh, weirder, uh, which is perfect for us than past times. But yeah, no, if we're going to be there, then that would be great. Um, but obviously, if you ever see us, me or Brie, out and about, I will buy you drinks. And, and I have before. We will, we will love it. You know, it tweet us, you know, Instagram us, Snapchat us, whatever with the, with these things. And, and we appreciate your support. Um, honestly, like I never, I don't know about you guys. I never thought that like I would be part of anything cool enough to have its own t-shirt. Right. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love rocket. Yay. Uh, so next weird topic, uh, Christina, you wrote a freaking fantastic article this past week, ranking streaming music services, uh, a beautiful scale, most screwed to least screwed. Uh, and it was very educational for me because it taught me exactly one thing. And that one thing was that Napster still exists. <laughs> uh, the brand and the logo, yes. The brand and the logo, yes. Uh, the original company uh, founded by by, by uh, Sean Parker and Sean Fanning. No, that's long gone, the peer-to-peer service. But the brand and the logo does still is still a thing. Um, so yeah, this was a really fun story to, to, to write and I'd love you guys' feedback. Um, basically it was kind of piggybacked on the news that, that SoundCloud, which I know is a service that Brie likes and has used a lot and we've talked about before on the show. <laughs> um, now you called it, you called it the place to find unknown DJs and I'm like, A, very mean, B, very fair. Like that's <laughs> all I use it for is to find rare dance mixes. Well, so, totally. Yeah. I mean, I said for SoundCloud. I was like, I was like, you know, um, uh, yeah, how did I describe it? I was like, um, uh, yeah, SoundCloud, uh, the streaming music service known as a place to hear podcasts and remixes from unknown DJs. Um, so basically, last week they confirmed that they had raised $70 million in debt funding. Now, in most cases, the fact that a startup has raised seventy million dollars in funding is is a good is good news, and and I don't want to completely like paint SoundCloud as like completely doomed. Um, although I do kind of think they you are. put them at number um, two on your most I, I did, screwed I did. list. I, I'm, 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 I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to be like more fair. I'm trying to be like give, give background. Um, but the thing is, is that in most cases, certainly there are instances where you can raise debt funding as a startup, and that can be like a a move that you make because. You don't want to give up dilution. You don't want to give up shares. And, and there can be like reasonable reasons to do that. In this case, uh, for, from all reports from, from Rico, TechCrunch, and, and other places, they basically had to raise debt funding because they couldn't close a normal venture capital round. And they, according to their financial reports, which their, their 2015 reports were released last year because they're a UK company and, and UK financial reports come out like a year later, it looks like they were very much on the way of running out of cash. And so they needed cash to be able to continue going. They couldn't close a normal funding round. So they had to basically take loans at, in the form of debt. That's a, that's bad news. And, and what that got me thinking about was, okay, well, there are a bunch of streaming music companies. And so where do they all rank kind of from most screwed to least screwed? And so I, I made a little list and, uh, and it was a fun thing to do. Um, We'll have the link in the show notes. You know, I I, I also included kind of a, a a list of people that we that we've lost uh, services we've lost before, and in um oh, people pointed out. out some songs that I know. Um, now all the most of those features are now part of Google Play, uh, which is good. But uh, people did point out that I'd in the 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 least screwed category, I'd included iHeartRadio, which is the company formerly known as, as Clear Channel, and some people came after me about that and said. Well, you know, they owe like nine billion dollars in 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 uh like 
they're they're in debt a lot a lot of money and they own like nine billion dollars to creditors in 2019. This is true, and I don't want to take away from that. They actually absolutely have to come up with a bunch of money um, in the next year or so. Um, I still don't think that they're screwed the same way that some of the other um, uh, companies on the list are because I have a feeling that 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 Bob Pittman will be able to get certain things refinanced or at the very least um, there will be you know some sort of uh, because it is so many radio stations someone will come in to kind of swoop in and either save them or restructure their mm-hmm. deal in some way so even though. Uh, I, I got some some criticism saying oh, they're 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 screwed in other ways. You're not wrong. I just think that some of these startups that are are higher up on the list, including you know Napster, uh, are are more screwed because yeah, they don't the ones, have they don't have the brand equity. Yeah, the ones that are the most screwed, they they're sort of like islands. Whereas iHeartRadio, it's linked into this larger network, and then Spotify and Apple Music are both. They have very firm foundations in for Spotify. A heck of I a love, lot of users. I love Apple Music. Apple Music with you know <laughs> like the company Apple, which you may have heard of. Yeah, um, I want it. So you mentioned if it's okay to talk about this that you had people coming to you being like, "Why are we not on your list?" <laughs> yeah. Was Eight Tracks one of those companies? Um, they did not, although they were on my original list, and they didn't make it uh, because I ran out of space. I'm going to be honest. There were more companies I could have put on mm-hmm. this list and ranked um, because, but but it was it's a 2200 word post, which for something I wrote in like in two hours yeah. is fairly long, um, and uh, you, you know you had to make cuts at a certain point. Eight tracks is is screwed. They would firmly be on the screwed list, and I think they would admit to that. Um, unfortunately. They are beholden to the same streaming model that Pandora is, um, which is, you know, they have to pay for stream and their rates keep going up. And so they even had a blog post, I think, back in December about how they had to cut their staff and they had to, you know, uh, cut some of their sources of music, including SoundCloud, um, so that they can stay afloat, which is a shame because because A-Track is a, is a great service. Um, yeah. And a lot of people really like the app and people have really liked that sort of idea where you could have a playlist where you could take songs from almost any place and, and put it together and then listen to it. You can't listen to it, you know, like like one at a time, like a la carte tracks, but you could listen to a playlist. Um, and unfortunately, you know, they've had to cut their staff drastically and, and from their own admissions, from their own blog things, because uh, they were on my initial list, they look pretty screwed. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen to them, but I, I don't anticipate that they're going to be around, you know, that much longer because um, – they're they're competing in, in a space against these other you know online radio services and and their rates keep going up. Yeah, and I feel like every, able to every time you know that happens every week they're introducing some new mechanic to their service that is not user friendly and it's because they have to because they're trying right. desperately to stay afloat. But it's now just like it, it's it's not a fun user experience anymore, which is really too bad because like you said, I, I really liked 8-Tracks. I used it for a long time and it's been really big in fandom for curating playlists. It's been playlists. very big in fandom and, and very big on Tumblr. You know, I, I think that's honestly a little bit to their detriment. Yeah. It, it's, it's, been, it's, it's been big in places where people don't pay. Um, and and that's, I think, really kind of the story from this uh, is that, you know, you have a lot of services where you kind of have this, this free model to, to start with, or at least that's how it kind of started with some places. And and convincing people to pay for music is difficult. And then, you know, when they pay for music, the, the services themselves have to pay too, and their rates keep going up because the labels and the artists want more, which is fair. The artists should be getting paid more uh, for certain things. But, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, Spotify, which is number two on the list as least screwed, um, is is not 
um, necessarily a good business right now. You know, like they they have very real business problems. Like I I wrote, you know, they they are not making money. Investors mm-hmm. are saying they might be profitable this year, but there's really no guarantee or, or show for that. Um, they also they did raise debt funding, which is which is what SoundCloud did. They did it in a slightly for slightly different reasons, and they raised a lot more debt funding. Um, but the but basically, Spotify's in a situation where the longer they don't go public. The more money they owe certain investors, where they have they they owe them a certain percentage every six months they they don't go public. Oh my god, Christina, that's terrible! Wow, it is terrible. It's a a bad situation. So that's not great. The the thing is, though, if we're going to be totally honest, you know, once they go public, I don't really know what their what their future is, and I'm not going to say that they could they could last forever. But right now. Uh, regardless of the situation, if they've raised a lot of money, they are eventually going to go public. They are – I would categorize them, despite their business problems, as, as right now, maybe not in two years, maybe not in three years, but as too big to fail because they have 50 million paid users. They have 100 million users total, and mm-hmm. um, they, are, they are the ones – you know, the labels can't ignore them. There are very few artists who can ignore them. You know, Taylor Swift is one of the only ones who can kind of say, I'm not going to be on Spotify. And I'll be honest, you know, despite her, you know, pro- uh protests back when 1989 came out and despite you know um her affinity to apple music um since they you know did their about face with her um in, in june 2015 i bet when her next album comes out she was going she and her people are going to have to have very serious considerations about whether or not they ignore spotify and mm-hmm. that's because streaming now counts on the charts on billboard um a lot more um it you know it, Sales still count most, but but streaming um, plays a big role, and so big artists can't ignore them. You know, they they some some artists will do like what Adele did, where Twenty Five was obviously sold first and and was available to stream on certain services, and then it was held back, and then a few months later it was available for streaming. But most artists can't even do that, and so you know it's kind of at that place where um, if you're going to be making music you've got to be on spotify Mm -hmm. and so whatever their business problems might be they are at this point i think too big to fail yeah no one's going to be following in taylor swift's footsteps there and it they wouldn't be possible for them to well no honestly most of the major labels wouldn't even allow them to universal so what had happened last year and and i this is a little bit outside the scope of the article but um you know there'd been kind of this war between um spotify and, and apple music and title and some other services about exclusives about artists releasing exclusives on one surface versus another now i'm gonna be upfront i think that exclusives are bad for fans. I don't like mm-hmm. that idea. I, I I was mad when Beyonce went exclusive to Tidal for uh, Lemonade because then I subscribed to Tidal, which I still need to unsubscribe from because it's not a service that I ever use. And then I ended up buying it from iTunes the next day. You know, I, it's, it's annoying when you can only, you know, hear something from an artist on one service. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with windowing. You know, if you want to window and say, Chance the Rapper was on Apple Music for one week and then he was ever uh, elsewhere. That's okay. But the labels don't like that. And and, and Lucian Grange, who is the, the the head of Universal, which is the biggest music label, has actually stepped forward and he's kind of laid the band hammer down after Frank Ocean did his Apple Music exclusive. And he basically said, our artists aren't going to be allowed to do exclusives anymore. They're going to have to be on all the services. And so what that does, and, and this is kind of goes back to the main point of the article of, the, of how screwed they are, is it makes these services more and more commodities, right? So the differentiations between these all these different services are less and less. So like if you look at, for instance, you know, um, uh, Napster, which which was on the list, and as you said, someone you were surprised still exists. You know that 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 is now the name for for Rhapsody. 
But if, if you were to look feature-wise at the difference between Napster and Spotify and Apple Music and Tidal, all of those four services, if you're compare and, and, and Amazon Music, if you're going to compare what they do, they have about the same library size. There are some differences. They let you listen offline. They let you listen on phone. They let you listen on other devices. Um, they have playlists. They have curated things. They do similar stuff. And so really the differentiators in these services come down to, I think, about interface and about personalization. And bit, But otherwise, if you're just trying to say, you know, five, six, seven years ago, when if you were trying to get into online streaming saying, oh, well, you can listen to any song you want anywhere, that was a big draw. The problem is, is that now you have like 18 different services that'll let you do that. Mm -hmm. And so the problem for a lot of these companies is figuring out why should you give your $10 to me instead of to Spotify or to Apple Music? That was actually well, what I think. I think that's what's so sad about SoundCloud uh, totally. crashing and burning. Because for me, SoundCloud serves a very specific role. Um, so, like, there's there's a, a DJ. Um, actually, he'd probably be more of a um, you know, he's, he's an orchestrator, right? He's in Israel. His name is uh, uh, Alan Moore. Uh, and he does music that's, uh, you know, Christine, you'd probably like it because it's very similar to the Trent Reznor, like in motion, yeah. like social ne network soundtrack. This awesome. is Alan really, Moore. really unique stuff. And SoundCloud is where DJs go to like trade this next level stuff. Mm -hmm. They get to wade through 8 million tons of BS to get to it. And I've listened to so many bad mixes that sound like it's from somebody with a Casio keyboard in 1992. But, you know, like finding the good stuff, uh, SoundCloud's the only place for that. And I think mm -hmm. it's it's not a fungible service just because the audience they've got for that is right. so different. It made me so sad this week that, uh, you know, I had recently canceled it because I'm like, discovery on this is terrible. I and, was going to ask you, like... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I was going to say, like... To you, because you used to subscribe and, and pay for their service, like they'd, you know, made this um, kind of change to doing SoundCloud to go, which is allowing the a la carte listening from major label stuff. And right. I, I guess, like, to me, I remember talking to them years ago, you know, and they, and they were very excited that there are these sorts of artists there, the Alan Moores and, and Lord, you know, sort of their chance, the rapper, right. sort of there. He actually gave them a shout out during the Grammys. Why do you, I mean, do you think do you think their big miss is that they didn't focus on discoverability? That's or it. The sort That's of stuff. It. It's terrible. And the only way I find stuff on SoundCloud is listening to like Anna Leno on you know Hyper House on Apple Music, which is another <laughs> ten dollar a month service. And then she's pointing me over there because like if you pay the subscription, it's just impossible. And as soon as this news came out this week, Christina, like they sent me an email saying, you know what, for five bucks, you can come back and start paying for our <laughs> service again. It's just sad. So I, I, yeah. And you know, the thing is, um, discoverability is such a big problem that engineering that and it takes human curation, yep. right? And that's the kind of thing, like you can't cheat it with an algorithm, but no. that's what they're probably going to try to do. And it's going to, you know, this is a, a ship of the damned at this point. No, I mean, and, and that's the thing that both Apple Music and Spotify have really invested in. You know, Spotify bought a company called the Echo Nest. They've spent a lot of money on curation. They've bought a lot of different services. Um, that's something that, honestly, Songza was great at. You know, Songza kind of originated that sort of thing. And, and now that's part of Google Play Music. But yeah, I think you're right. It's 
algorithms can work really well and can give you recommendations and you can get like the genome thing. But as people have seen with Pandora, you know, if you just rely on algorithms, you just end up hearing the same thing over and over again. And that's not the same thing as discovering new stuff. And one of the things I think that Spotify did that's their best thing that they've ever done was their Discover Weekly personalized playlists for for users. And, and, and I don't know if either of you have ever used it before, but I've discovered bands that I've actually gone to then see live from Discover Weekly, like literally like small indie New York based bands. Like I, I, uh, I found this, this, this band called the 8090, um, on, on my Discover Weekly. And I ended up seeing them live, um, a couple months ago in New York and, and I follow them on Twitter and I love them, um, that I never would have found without Discover Weekly. And, and I don't, you know, that was partially algorithm based and, but also some of it is, you know, kind of human curated where they're able to kind of go through and say, for people who like these songs, these things match, you know, and, and Apple music, which, you know, its base was in beats, um, kind of goes and, and does similar things where, you know, they, they can do really good kind of, you know, um, curated playlists for certain topics and, and, and certain types of things. But it's a, sh- it's a shame that, that, that SoundCloud, who has this great library of untapped potential, mm-hmm. hasn't taken that same approach. I think that, I, I agree with you. I think that's really sad because I think SoundCloud's an important service. Like, yeah. I want to be clear when I wrote this, this, this piece, which, you know, parts of it are, are kind of snarky and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe make, maybe a little bit mean or whatever. Like, I don't take any joy in any of these companies doing poorly. You know, it, it, it's sad to me. I've been covering this space for 10 years, but the reality is, you know, a lot of these companies are in trouble. And I think it's because the the, the services are basically indistinguishable from another what indistinguishable from one another. And the things that would set them apart, like you were saying with SoundCloud, kind of this original stuff, they're not surfacing the right way. Mm-hmm. Um and and that leaves you with just a couple, you know, the the companies that have frankly unless you're Spotify where everybody has to be there, or you're like an Apple or an Amazon or or a Google you know, you have outside businesses that can keep it afloat, you know? So like for Apple, you know, they see Apple Music as as the ultimate replacement for iTunes. They're willing to make it a loss leader. You know, it doesn't have to be a profit target right now. It will be eventually. You know, Google, it's kind of the same thing. They, they need to have a music service. Um, so they, they can take losses other places. I mean, Amazon's even the same way. You know, like mm-hmm. Amazon, it doesn't really matter how many people subscribe to Amazon Music Unlimited. They're really seeing this as kind of hopefully a, a way to get more people to, to pay for Prime yeah. um, and, and, and as a way to integrate, you know, really deeply with 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 their Alexa products. Um, so they have alternative revenue streams. But what does that say, you know, for Deezer or for Pandora or for, for Tidal or, or, or for, for SoundCloud? Yeah, you know? it's not you the know. time to launch a music service. And it wasn't, you know, huh. a few years ago to launch a music service no. that is not connected to a wider a wider service. No, no, to be totally honest, I mean, it was funny. I wrote a story for Mashable um, when when Pandora bought RDO and or bought the assets of RDO when RDO died. And um, I was really proud of that story. And, and it was called, you know, the, the sad and totally predictable death of RDO or something like that. And, and RDO was one of those services that in a lot of ways, you know, people thought was going to be really big. And people loved it because it had really um, – a good UI, the long, sad, and totally predictable death of Bardio. That was the the, mm-hmm. the name of the story. Where we'll put it in the show um, links. And and this was this was back from from 2015. Um, you know, th- they were by all accounts better, or, or at least early. Um, you know, most people don't recall this. You know, Spotify has been around since 2007. 
but it didn't come to the United States until 2011. And so in that time, there were a number of companies that came to the U.S. first. There was uh, Sony had a company called Music Unlimited, um, and and there was a service called Mog, which then its assets were sold to Beats Music, which then became Apple Music. But 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 Mog was there first, and then there was Audio, and Audio, you know, was was launched by the guys who founded Kazaa, and um, they um, it you know had this a la carte sort of thing. They had a, a desktop app, a Mac app that was really good. They had mobile apps and and, and it was available in the United States. Um, but it didn't have a free option and Spotify did. And and so when Spotify launched in the US, not only did it have a slightly bigger battery, uh, library rather, and, you know, kind of the name recognition, people had been hearing for years about this, this great European music service where it was like you could get anything you wanted for free, um, you know, uh, it had a free option and, mm-hmm. and, and RDO didn't. And so even though um, RDO in a lot of ways had a better UI and, and had better features and, and, and a better experience, you know, it ended up dying and Pandora bought, bought its assets. And, and now it's kind of the basis of a Pandora <laughs> premium and, and it, yeah, it which is dying. also dying. Yeah. Oh, which is yeah. also dying. Well, totally. It was the dying by the dying, but it's just kind of one of those things where, even when you try to time things correctly, like you were saying, like now is not the time to start a streaming service. But even people who thought that they were like on early the adopters edge, and they yeah. thought that they were like at the right time ended up getting screwed. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's an oversaturated yeah. market and it's it's one that's dominated by people, of course, like most markets who have the advantage of being part of something larger. So that is uh, the sad death knell of many streaming services, <laughs> courtesy oh. of us. Uh, um, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, so we're, we're, mm, I, I can't talk about it. Uh, so we're just doing campaigning stuff. So, yep, that's it. Death, <laughs> death and dying. What about yes. you, Christina? Uh, I'm just working what on did some, you uh, say? Death or dying? Death what? and dying. It's what, what I say when I'm faced with uh, unpleasant tasks that sound painful to accomplish. No, it's awesome. I've got awesome Awesome and awesoming. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Chris. No, you're fine. Um, so I'm just working on, I'm working on some videos this week and some, and some posts and uh, you'll, you'll see good stuff from me on gizmodo.com. Sweet. Uh, I'm editing because I, if you follow me on Twitter, you might have gathered that my show is coming back next week. So I'm editing the season two of SEO play, which is exciting. Uh, And my coworker, Pat, gave me the best freaking pun. SEO play should be sponsored by YoPlay. And I'm so mad that I didn't think of that and that YoPlay hasn't reached out to me personally and offered me money. for real. Yeah, no. Should we start a campaign? Everybody like tweet out YoPlay to support SEO play. <laughs> that should would be we? embarrassing, and you should not do that. Don't do okay, that. Okay, um, rock, 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 rocket listeners, please tweet at YoPlay and yeah. tell them to support no. at Doom Quasar yes. at yes. SEO play. You must do this. Polygon. Please do. Must it. do this. Lord. Must do it. Uh, no options. Don't listen to Simone. She's too modest. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> That's my week. Uh, you can find me online at twitter.com slash doomquasar, and my video uh, will be at youtube.com slash polygon. What about you, Bree? Uh, you can see me at Space Cat Gal. Sweetness and Christina. You can find me at film underscore girl. Yay. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you want to support us, buy our t-shirts at teespring.com slash make it weird uh, and then impress your friends by making it weird every day. 
every day. It'll be really weird, actually, if it's every day, unless you've bought 365 t-shirts, because you'll have to wash the t-shirts sometime. And if you don't wash the t-shirts and you wear them every day, you're making it really weird because you'll smell so bad. So do whatever you want with the t-shirts. I'm not going to lay down rules for you, but wash your body and the t-shirts sometimes. Like, buy enough of them so that, you know, you have you you have spares. Um, this episode is terminated. 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 Terminated.